Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Widow's Secret, Kismet in Wyoming, a contemporary romance written by Jane Brooke. When Sally's husband dies in a freak tractor accident, she is devastated, but not for the reasons most people thought. Secretly, quietly, Sally is glad he is gone and she detests herself for having such hideous, complicated thoughts. Jim had unknowingly broken her dreams, for there was always an undercurrent to her, a mismatched sexual electrical wire that no rancher could ever understand. By the time he had gotten her pregnant, well, she resented him for trapping her into a life she desperately wanted to escape from. Life as a single mother and reluctant rancher is taking its toll on Sally when a mysterious stranger responds to a help-wanted post she placed at the local feed store. Sensing he would be a significant upgrade, she hires him and fires the two worthless ranch hands currently working for her. Besides fulfilling Sally's need for an all-purpose can-do worker, Romero also proves to be good at helping her family rebuild itself. To her surprise, Sally finds herself falling in love with Romero, but resists acting on her feelings for fear of being rejected and causing the resulting awkwardness to ruin what they have. How could she know that fate has other plans? And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Widow's Secret. I am Sally a Wyoming rancher, mother, widow, and tortured artist. Saddle fit through and through. My life. Horses, cows, free-range hens, dogs barking, cats meowing, and my two kids. Natasha is eight years old and blonde. Her brother Klein is 12. There's no pollution, yet. Just rivers, white clouds, bull elk, mule deer, bighorn sheep, bear, moose, and a few hard cowpokes that occasionally help me around here. They're young, undependable sorts. You know how cowboys are. They work until payday in their leather chaps and worn cowpoke hats, then climb back onto their ponies while drunk, stoned, or both, and dig their spurs into their horses' ribs. It takes almost every moment of my life just to keep this menagerie of animals, the wildest of them being my kids, from coming apart at the seams. The Grand Tetons out there on the vista are still packed with snow, and the wolves howl at night. Through hunting and killing, they keep a necessary balance and rhythm in nature as bringers of death. It may not have been caused by wolves, but it was a death that helped to restore my balance and rhythm. My life changed last year, dramatically, unexpectedly, and there's no going back. It all began when I tacked a notice to the wall in Benson's feed and grain store. One year ago. It was summer, hot, and the wind streaming in through the window of my old Ford F-100 farm truck felt good on my skin as it tousled my short blonde hair. It did little to abate the sadness that gripped my soul. I was cruising down 25 outside of Douglas, just having visited my lawyer in Douglas and signed the final papers concerning my husband's death. It was a freak accident. He was a handyman. Tractor hit a culvert, tilted till it flipped, and crushed his windpipe and his spine. They told me it was instant. Didn't feel any pain. I didn't appreciate that. My pain was never-ending. For me, it was not so painless, but not because of what you might think. I was racked with guilt. 
Casper is a small western town filled with farmers and ranchers, cowboys and cowgirls, with plenty of wannabes, too. Everybody was kind to me, this new widow. It was so wild, west typical. You know, the scenario, widowed school marm with two kids out there all alone, struggling to keep everything from falling apart. It would have made me sick if it weren't so damn true. Benson at Benson's Feed chatted me up, loaded the oats, the grain, and three fifty-pound bags of dog food into the back of my busted-up but beloved farm truck with peeling green paint. How's it going, Sally? Jim was a good man. Anything you need, ask. You know, we all love you. That's how the banter goes. Marva says hi. These were good folks, but I'm not into reminiscing. Yes, Jim was a good man, but no one knew that he had unknowingly broken my dreams, for there was always an undercurrent to me, a mismatched sexual electrical wire that no rancher could ever understand. By the time he had gotten me pregnant, well, I resented him for trapping me into a life I desperately wanted to escape from. I still can hardly understand any of it myself. Yes, my heart was broken, but not for the reason these simple folk thought. It shattered because, secretly, quietly, I was glad he was gone. I detested myself for such hideous, complicated thoughts. I was an art and language major at Montana State. Jim was in the final days of getting his agriculture degree, like his father and his father before him. Ranchers need that information. We were just simple, sweet country kids. But there was another side to me. Why we're born who and where we are has always confused me. Perhaps if I'd been born in Los Angeles, maybe Paris or London, I could have been an artist or a poet or a painter. The influences of those creative cities might have guided me into a different direction. Now I paint and play piano. I write more than ever, though music is my first love. I have one entire room with sky windows facing the Tetons and the Platte River where I paint, sculpt, and play my beloved piano. It's better now, but I was so naive back then that I thought my wants and desires, culturally, artistically, and carnally, were a sin. I figured something was terribly wrong with me. So I settled for a life of kids, marriage, and the ranch, hoping that it was the life I was destined for just as it was for my mom. Some say ignorance is bliss, but for me, it was crippling. So, I was cruising out of Casper and heading over to Laramie, the largest city in Wyoming, where Christian's art store is located. It's the only place where I can buy paints, canvases, and clay for my artful endeavors. Comparing Laramie to Paris concerning the arts is like comparing Flint, Michigan to Rome, but it's the best we have. I parked my truck and waved a few hellos to the folks I passed as I entered the art store. After some light shopping, I purchased my supplies, some extra brushes and a few shades of paint that happened to catch my eye, and loaded them into my old farm truck before making the trip back home. Even if it was more than a little self-indulgent, and I'm really not much of a shopper, a little retail therapy was just what I needed. I drove down the empty country road, my mind, that special sort of blank I can only achieve when driving, for the moment, free from life's problems. I jumped a little, snapping out of my driver's trance as something unexpected came into view. It was about five miles to my ranch and around seven miles away from Casper, but there he was, in the middle of nowhere, a tall, brown-skinned man walking down the highway. 
Without thinking about it, I slowed down to get a better look at the guy. Who must have been nuts to be out on that hot summer day with that massive black backpack and all them clothes on. Anyone who'd wear a hooded sweatshirt on a day like that definitely had a couple screws loose. As I passed by him, I could see that this man was lean and, dare I think it, handsome. Suddenly he turned, our eyes locked, and a shudder traveled through me like a wave. His eyes were so dark and deep with a sort of sharpness to them. I felt caught in them, like I could drown in those mesmerizing eyes if I wasn't careful and all of a sudden my face felt hot, like I just had blushed something awful. There was something about this man, but I couldn't put my fingers on whatever it was. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Widow's Secret. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.